Good morning, everybody. Welcome uh, to Ridgeview Church. We're really glad you're here uh, to worship with us. So far, this is the best Sunday of 2022. Welcome. Happy New Year, everybody. My name is Alex Barrett. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, we're on week two of something we started last week called Setting uh, the Tone. And the idea is how do we uh, look at the right things and set ourselves up to make the most of the year that's upon us? And last week, uh, we talked about the importance of setting the tone for a new year is, is to actually look back on what God has done um, in the last year. And there's a sense of like looking back uh, reminds us of God's faithfulness. Looking back reminds us that we're not alone. Looking back reminds us of, of all the things that, that God uh, uses us for and, and in. And in a way, it like reestablishes and kind of affirms the foundation for which we find ourselves. And as Christ followers, if, if you've decided to follow Christ, he's, he's your boss, we have to continually like looking back. And if you're exploring what it means to follow Jesus, there's a sense of which you need to look back as well and say, like, what are the ways uh, that I look back and I don't know what I'm doing, or I look ahead and, and I'm fearful. And in all the things that we face, whether you follow Christ or not, uh, we always need to be reminded of where we are, where we're headed. And what God is doing is he's, he's just wanting to get our attention. He's wanting to help us. He's wanting to provide. And, and today we're going to, instead of looking back, we're going to look forward. And I want to share some things just related to uh, our vision uh, as a church. And uh, as a pastor, it's really difficult in one Sunday to share, like, what's the vision for the whole year? That's very difficult. To do that, I've decided I just need to extend the amount of time I will share. I got one whoop, and the rest are like the nervous giggle. But, you know, I'm just kidding, really. Some of you are like, is he, though? Is, is he really? Um, but it, it's very difficult to, to like, here's, here's what we're doing and here's where we're heading. Because the, the way God tells time, what I shared last week is the idea of kairos, uh, the opportunity of time. That's a Greek word for time. It's not chronological, but it's as we're living life, as we're moving forward, God works. And so part of our vision is we don't know all the way that God is going to work. We don't know the future. But we do know because we look back and because we look in the scriptures, we know that, that God is going to be with us. He's going to move us forward. And so today, I hope to give you a sense of how uh, God wants to use you specifically. Uh, oftentimes, when we talk about vision, uh, it can be very general. Um, it can be aspirational, the idea of like, yes, let's do it. But deep down, we're, we're meaning usually like, yes, somebody else. Yes, those people. Uh, but when you decide to follow the Lord Jesus, he actually wants to use you. And he wants to use you in a very specific way. And he wants to use you based on who you are, how you're wired, and where God's placed you. And because of that, you have great power and opportunity as God is in you and, and uses you. Now, in the new year, it's very interesting because most of the time we think about change. Like, we know where we are, and then we've got to make all sorts of changes. Anyone make, like, resolutions for the new year? Anybody? Okay. Anybody already, like, failed? Let's, okay, good. Thank you. You're welcome here, too. But I, I, I just read, like, a, a meme uh, of somebody that just says, you know, like, New Year's resolutions are, like, January, like, priority lists, like for a week or two. And usually, what's today? The second? We're feeling really strong. But this time next week, the ninth? If I just start, like how many of you failed, I'm sure more hands will go up. 
So the new year is often like, where are we messing up and what do we need to fix? And that's actually good. There's like clean slate, start over. Uh, This is like full disclosure. Like, I'm not proud of this, but in the middle of the night, I woke up and I realized yesterday I hadn't had any water to drink all day. I was off like coffee and Diet Coke. Now, the, the, the silence is actually deafening, but those are some things I need to change. So in the new year, certainly there's things like drink water. That's good. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, we can focus on all the things that we're, we're messing up that like the discouragement, the shame uh, can just still weigh us down. Even in the new year, because what happens is we, we, we still fail, right? Like we want to do things differently, but then a few days in, kind of where we've been. And so the idea of vision, what I want to share today is, is really the sense of like, based on who I am, without uh, me having to change every single part of my life, like how can God use you? And it's very important for us to think like that because oftentimes we, we project the kind of person that we think we need to be. And most of the time, it, it's like not real. And we kind of deceive ourselves into thinking like, as long as I become this person, uh, then God will use me, but the, we know we're never going to get there. And so in a way, we like let ourselves off the hook. There's a way of which like, you know, I, I'll do that in the future. I'll do that when I'm ready. I'll do that when I'm more mature. I'll do that when life is all together. But I want to start with like, what if God wants to use you right now in this year with who you are? It doesn't mean that you're going to stay the same. But I believe the best way to change is for, uh, to allow God to get access to you right now. You don't have to clean yourself up first. Come to God. He will clean you up, and he will use you. So does that make sense? Like, that's kind of where we are as individuals. That's the perspective we can have. And then as a church, um, what does this mean? So I just want to share some things. And this sermon, like, had a lot of points with just some big picture ideas that I wanted to give you. But this last week, I just got stuck on the first one. Like, I couldn't get beyond it. So what I want to do today is share the first one and really, like, dig into that. And then on your own, uh, you can look at the other. So I keep talking about what I'm speaking of, but if you're new to Ridgeview, we have a a listening guide, or if you've forgotten, and uh, there's a a handout in there. So everyone, once you open that, you can see the handout. Here's a New Year's resolution for you, okay? Take notes. You can just set that as a goal today. I'm going to take notes, and you could do it. The next goal is don't leave your notes here when you leave, (laughs) right? You ever do that? I do that all the time. Or don't leave them in the car on the floor. But maybe like get a little notebook and like put your notes in there. And if you do every Sunday of the new year, by the end of the year, you'll have all sorts of lessons that God wants to teach you and remind you of. So you could just make that like, I'm just going to take notes and I'm going to keep a record of it. If you hate paper copies, uh, take a picture of it. And then every Sunday you've got your notes because you know it's easy, easy to lose. But uh, I encourage you to take notes, but today I'm going to focus on the, the first thing. So looking forward, this is where I want us to start. Uh, we can have faith and confidence uh, together. Uh, this is actually where we started and ended like last week. Like looking back, God's come through in our church. Hopefully in your life, you've seen this past year that, that God's come through for you. Maybe it's some protection. Maybe it's help when you've asked him. Maybe it's the provision of things. But in our church, we've seen this again and again. And looking back, it it gives us this. That's the reminder. Looking back reminds us of God's faithfulness 
uh, we don't have confidence because of our faithfulness, really. Again, we, we tend to fail. We tend to mess up. Then we mess up, we beat ourselves up. And then we feel really bad about ourselves. And then for us to get going, we have to feel better about ourselves, so then we boost ourselves up. We feel really good about ourselves, and then what happens? We fail again. This is the cycle. And that's actually one of the cycles that culture tells us to keep doing, and the enemy, Satan, it's like, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're terrible, you're terrible, but you're not that bad. Actually, you do you. You follow your heart. You're pretty good. And then you fail again, it's, and this is like life. This is what life without Christ is like. Failing, trying to prove your worth, failing again, trying to prove your worth. And it doesn't work. So looking back reminds us of God's faithfulness. So I want to share the scripture, uh, which is kind of going to hold everything together. And this is in the book of Hebrews. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And this is the verse that I I like couldn't, um, I couldn't get past. I just kept coming back to it again and again. I just want to break it down a little bit. So we're, we're told to hold fast. The hold fast is literally like to hold on to tightly. Like you don't let it out of your grip. So in a new year, this is something good for us. The scripture is telling us, slow down, stop, and focus. And it tells us to hold fast to certain things. Get a grip on it. Get a grip on your life. Get a grip on what's important. And we're supposed to hold fast to what? The confession of hope that it's found uh, in, in God's promises, the confession of hope found in God's promises, like his word, that's where we find the confession of hope. It is who God is. It's revealed in his word. If you want to know the confession of hope that we have, you have to read the scriptures. The scriptures are God's word to us, truth revealed, which we would not know. We could not intuit without God giving it to us. And so the confession of hope, the foundation that we have, what we're supposed to hold fast is to God's word, the truth. And we are in desperate times when people are longing for truth. They're longing for what's real. They're longing to get their hands around something, but they have everything but the truth. And so they're just left trying to hold on to like this fish that they can't get a grip on. But we're told to hold on to this confession of hope found in God's promises without, what does that word say? Without what? Wavering. That is without letting go, without looking past without getting distracted. This is where we gain faith and confidence. And so as I begin reading this, as a church, as we choose faith, we can have confidence together. And I think that's probably the greatest promise that we could have right now in our world, that there is confidence to be had. And it's not in ourselves. It's not in our culture. You can't find it in this world. It's supernatural. And it comes from God himself And I think we're in a time as Christians where there's a sense of like, there's a lot of shame for Christians. Like we're we're ashamed. We're we're scared. We're scared of the truth in a way. Like how will it offend? How will people not agree? And we're in a time, and you guys don't need me to convince you of it, but in cancel culture where if you say anything that goes against the flow of culture, that goes against what culture says is normal. You're, you're wrong. Not only are you wrong, but you're, you're full of hate or you're a bigot. But if you look at the scriptures, what are you supposed to hold on to? The confession of culture? No, the confession of hope. 
And the hope is not in culture. The hope is in, again, God's word, which tells us about Christ, which reveals that we are not alone. And so I think, you know, in, in churches across our country and across the world, so many, I think, feel like beat up Christians. And they feel discouraged by the state of our world. They feel like you look and all you see is darkness and there seems like there's, there's no hope. And the writer of Hebrews, we don't know the author exactly, but the writer of Hebrews is telling us that if you are a Christian, if you follow Jesus, you should be the most confident person on the face of the planet. You should be confident, not because of who you are or what you have, but you should be confident because you have a confession of hope, not of this world. But that's not what I'm seeing. We live in a time where everyone is afraid to speak up for what is right and what's true. And I believe the enemy has us exactly where he wants us, which is if you feel shame or discouraged or you feel like you can't stand for what is right and that's righteousness, then what are we here for? Like, why are we here? So our purpose goes away. Our 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 vision for life goes away, and, and we actually just mirror the culture, which is like shame. But followers of Christ, and if you're investigating, this should be the greatest news. Followers of Christ, you have a confidence that everyone longs for. In fact, when you look at New Year's resolutions, isn't it most of the time about how you can better yourselves and become more confident in who you are? And again, goals are good. But the issue is, is if your confidence is just based on who you are and your circumstances and what you do, and you are the center of your confidence, well, I'd imagine we have a world in which that's true. People that their confidence is wavering, and so they need prescription drugs. Their confidence is wavering, so they need alcohol. They need sex. They need relationships. They need everything outside of, of God's ideal. So this this just kept burning in me. We can have hope and a confidence because of what is true. We have to hold on. We have to be committed without wavering. So I started on this verse, and then I, I, th- I thought, you know what? I need, to, I need to read some more. And my sermon I, I'd had planned for a few weeks ago and very rarely does this happen, but I don't know if you've ever heard a guy like, well, I, I changed everything. That was like me this past week. What I thought I was going to share a few weeks ago is, has changed. Even today, I made changes. Because there's a sense of like, I, I really want God to, to speak through his word. And I want his word to stand and to give us what we need. And so I, I begin to just read more of, of the context. And I want to go back to verse 19, a few verses before. Uh, Before I read this, Hebrews is basically a book written which talks about the the sacrificial system, and that is like when we mess up in the Old Testament according to the law, when you mess up, you need to have a sacrifice for your sin. That is something need to be given as a payment for sin. That's like the whole Old Testament, setting up the structure of God's law. When you break God's laws and when you sin and when you break his commandments, There's a payment that needs to be made. We're indebted to God because of sin. 
So the Hebrews, the book of Hebrews is writing about when Christ came, he was the ultimate sacrifice. And we used to have in this sacrificial system, this priest. Now you may have have grown up in a a, a Catholic background and and priests are are used to you. And you may not have, and you're like, what's a priest? Well, a priest would go before God and the sacrifice, they would sacrifice uh, for God, for the sins of the people. And so people would keep going through this priest and the priest would represent the people. And what Hebrews is writing is that you do not need to keep paying and sacrificing for your sin because Christ came and he paid that sin once and for all. That is the gospel. We're sinful, rebellious people. We're broken, and we have nothing to offer God. Happy New Year. Aren't you so glad you came? Right? So if I were to end there, you would feel a weight of like, I stink. I need more resolutions. I stink. My life is going nowhere. But the scriptures are telling us, yes, we stink. We have a lot that, that's not good. And do I have to convince you of that? You know that. Most people know our sin more than anyone else. Like, we know. Like, I don't have to convince you of that. But what the world says is because you have a deficit and because you feel broken, here's all the ways to patch it up. Here's all the way to fix yourself. And it's a lie. You can't fix yourself. It's an absolute lie. But people don't know it. And so they keep the roller coaster of self-improvement. In a way, they keep sacrificing to pay for their sin. I'm going to do better. I'm going to be better. I'm going to make myself more successful. That way, even the outer appearance, I seem like I have it more together than I really do. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, you cannot do that. You will spin your wheels the rest of your life and you'll go nowhere. You may make a lot of noise, but you're stuck. And so in verse 19, he's saying like all of that, like since Jesus died and paid for our sin, the sacrifice was gone. Not only that, but he's our priest now. He represented us towards God and said, these people were broken. These people were dirty. These people stink. But because of what I've done, they're pure. They're clean. He became the priest that now came to God and allowed direct access so we don't have to go to any other priest. Christ made a way that we can go directly to God. This is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Verse 19, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, the holy place was what the priest did. Only the priest could go in like once a year to this holy place to give the sacrifice for sins. So the writer is saying, now, Jesus, what did he do? Because of him, we have the confidence to enter the holy places by his blood. That's the payment. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain. That was the dividing wall between the holy place and the rest. And it says that is through his flesh, what he did on the cross. He died. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, that is over our church, over our community. Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So all of this is before verse 23 and the confession of hope that we have. The confession of hope is, although we are lost, And although the sin has made us dirty, and although we're blemished, and we're broken, Christ came for us, and he died for us. 
And I love the, the imagery here, the evil conscience. That is, do you ever stay up at night and the thoughts of who you are plague you? Do you ever replay scenarios where you've messed up and the shame keeps filling you? Do you ever look to your future and you're so discouraged because it doesn't seem like things are getting better in this world or in your life? The answer is yes. This is the greatest news we can receive. And I think all of us face those times of darkness, of being overwhelmed. But the scriptures say we can draw near with a true heart, full assurance of faith. Why? Because of what Christ did. So when we talk about as a church, as we choose faith and, and confidence together, uh, this, is, this is why. So the scriptures go on. Again, we started here. Let us hold fast. If all this is true, let us hold fast. The confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So really helpful to remember. The confession of hope, the confession of hope without wavering. And then why? Because of us? No, because he... Christ, who promised, is what? Faithful. The church, we have an opportunity. Do you think our state is broken? The country's broken. The state's broken. The first time in history... More people are leaving our state than are coming in. That's never happened before. So from a marketing perspective, as a church planter who started a church in here, it's like we're on the sinking ship. Be a part of something new. If you look at it from that vantage point. And there's people that God can call to go somewhere else. And we've seen this within our church, faithful people that have moved and are no longer with us. And our prayer for them is that wherever they go, God uses them. But this scripture is a reminder that you don't need to have confidence with confident people. You don't need to have light with people of the light. You need to have light in the what? Darkness and confidence with those who are discouraged. Who are hopeless. Do you think those people are here in our state, in our county, in your neighborhood, next door to you, in your kids' schools? Do you think families are broken? Do you think people at your workplace are just going through the grind, wondering why they're here? I do. Every person I encounter, you can just see. They're on a foundation that's full of cracks. The foundation could be their own worth, their life, their own image, their success, their family. And it's, it's letting them down. One of the things I believe is because of how desperate things are getting here in our state, in our communities, there are people that will consider Christ for the very first time. The only reason you'd look for a new foundation in your life is if you realize your foundation is broken. 
And I think we're seeing that. And I believe that God could use California to turn around the nation. If we don't believe that, why are we here? I believe that, deep down, that God can use us right here in this room in our greater community to change the world. Why? He who promised is faithful. We hold fast to the truth which everyone longs for. But the scriptures don't end there. It goes on in verse 24. So all of this, then it says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So it started, verse 23, can have confidence and faith. The faith is God will come through even when I can't see it, but I can have confidence because his word tells me that. And then as I look back, I see his faithfulness. I have a foundation that's secure. So we have this confidence that comes because of what Christ has done, not because of what we have done. And that changes everything. It's very interesting when we talk about our state. We live in the state that is probably the most image-focused of any state in our country. We lead the way on who you should be and what you should look like. And I, I'm, the, I'm the face. You guys didn't know that, but I'm the face of California. Not southern. Maybe the mountains. <laughs> but, but, you know, our state is like, they set the pace in our culture. They do. So we're in the hub of like all the stuff that's not good, like we're in the middle of it. But how would that ever change? Well, it would change because people shift their confidence from themselves to Christ. And how would that happen? As Christians share how they can shift their confidence from themselves to Christ. It's not like you can snap your fingers and change happens. If you want change to happen, you and I have to get to work. Not with our own effort, but we have to be willing to lay down our life for all these people that are in the darkness. So we can have faith and confidence together. And this scripture right here is the reminder that the only way this can stay true is if we have each other. Coming to church, being a part of a community, is actually not optional in scripture. You could see it. One, we need to consider how to stir it up. That is, how to encourage. How can I speak the truth to somebody, encourage somebody, meet them where they are, and tell them you appreciate them. Give them a sense of like God can use them. How to stir them up, love and good work, serve them. And then look, not neglecting to meet together. What that means is there's, the scriptures say, as it's the habit of some, there's the pull. I don't know about you, but did any of you not want to come today? Thank you. Hey, some, put your hands down back there. Like, no, I'm just kidding. I take a mental note of everyone. No, I'm just kidding. There's some days I don't want to come, right? It's just like I, I, I'm just, I just want to stay in bed. The pull is always there. Not only that, but not to come to church, but to, to pull away. Have, have you ever had that recently where you just want to pull away from people? 
Like maybe you got stuff going on in your life and the thought of just engaging with others is, is the exact opposite of what you want to do. And so you just pull away and it just feels safer, like you could pull away. You just pull away. And what's interesting is, again, the enemy's at work. He wants you to just be justified in pulling away. Well, like, I got a lot going on. I don't have time for that right now. People don't get me. They don't understand me. I don't know where I fit. And so you, you pull more and more away. And the interesting thing is, the more and more you pull away, the less you're connected to the people. And what happens? The less connected you are, what do you do? You keep pulling away. It's totally strategic to isolate us. And then you have a pandemic which encourages it. And now we've spent two years with people like we don't even know what community is. And the church just left there like, well, okay. But we have confidence because we know that if we gather together in Jesus' name, we're doing what we're supposed to do. And not only that, we need it. Because by ourselves, we're messed up. If all you have is your thoughts and all I have is my thoughts, I'm in trouble. You ever thought about the things you think about? It scares you, right? And then you get around people, and then somebody shares something, and a smile, or a hug, and just a, how are you doing? And it's just like, you see things differently. My son and I, we watched like The Matrix. Just this past week, dude, Matrix makes a lot more sense now. But it's true. It's like you see things, and you think it's real. And when you isolate yourself, that happens And then you realize, like, wait a second, what if this is the exact opposite of real, and what I'm doing is totally not on the right track? So the scriptures, you know, remind us. So, again, looking forward, we can have faith and confidence together. What I want to do is I just want to kind of take all that I've talked about, and I want to focus it. What time? 10.52. We're golden. Lunch doesn't start till two, right? So we're good. So I want to just take everything I've talked about so far. Now, I just want to flesh this out just one more time because we talk about confidence. And I think it's really important as Christians, and again, if you're investigating, you really need to know what's at stake if you put your confidence in God and you give your life to him versus if you don't. Because I think some of the time, like, we don't really take our decisions down the path. Have you ever done that? You've made a decision and it's very short term. It's very short term. One of the things that could really be good for our lives is let's take a decision I'm about to make and say, what will this lead me to in five years if I make this decision? Financially, that's really good practice. Relationally, where would this lead me? Where am I headed? Take it out to the logical conclusion. It's really important to do that. But without Christ, if you don't have him, we have our own experiences. We have our own resources. This is why it's called the grind. And we're our only hope. So I began to think, if the world represents a life without God, specifically without Christ. If you look at our world and the culture and you say, okay, this represents life without God, life without Christ. Is that what you want? Look at the world. Read the news. Look at social media. Is that what you want? Because that's what you'll have. I, I look at it 
At our world right now, we're in the biggest crisis that we've seen in generations. I've never experienced this. I've never had more stress in my life than the last two years. Would you guys agree with that? It's been crazy, unsettled. And it's just like, it's going to be over, right? Never. That's what it feels like. So in our world right now and in our culture, in our country, do you see confidence? Do you see it? I don't. Do you see confidence in our government? No. Do you see confidence in the economy? No. Do you see people coming together? Depends. Is that making the headlines? Not really. Do you see peace? I don't know. I'm not really seeing like 2022, the year of peace. I'm not seeing it. You see, this season right now is a case study. And I think this is one of the the benefits. It's a case study. If you want to know what life looks like without Christ, look around. Just look around. If you have leaders that are godless and have no regard for Christ, if you look at people that all they have is their stocks and their finances, and it's so topsy-turvy, then what confidence do you have? So as Christians, the bell should be going off in our lives, in our minds, in our hearts, and in our churches. It is so unsettled. We have the one who can settle it all, and that's Jesus. What happens is the wave of emotion and the wave of turmoil, it's wiping out the church. But guys, has there been a greater opportunity when people are in so much despair to hear that they can have a hope that's not anchored in this world. This is why we're here. To give this anchor that people can hold on to and their lives can be saved. If you hope in your success, it's never enough. If you hope in your looks and what you have to offer, those fade. And then what you offer becomes irrelevant as you get older. If you put faith in your health, that fades. One of the things we're seeing now is so many people have just had guarantees in their health, and that's been taken away. Do you know how many people are sick? God help us. People are sick all across the world. If you put faith in the world, it keeps flipping the script on who you should be. It changes. Here's what you should be. Here's what you should do. And then as you pursue it, it it changes. In fact, the scriptures describe it as like the world is wandering. It's like you're trying to track it, but you can't. It's not, it's not anchored to anything. So as you pursue the world, you're not anchored yourself. And most people, this is all that they have. So the picture is this. It's like a sandcastle versus concrete with rebar. The scriptures are saying, if you hold fast to Jesus and the confidence you have in him, you're holding on to a structure that will stand, and it's reinforced by the truth of God. And it cannot be shaken 
because it's given and it's established by the sacrifice of Christ, which no one can take. It's done. It's finished. The payment's complete. But what our world is saying is 2022 is going to be great. Just hold on to your sandcastle as the Fontana winds come and destroy it. This is the picture, guys. Without Christ, this is what you're holding on to. And people are tired of the sandcastle, but you know what? They don't know that there's another foundation. And why do they not know? Because the church hasn't told them. The bell is ringing. Now is the time. There's something else people can hold on to. So we're told to hold fast to three main things. This is our vision as a church for this year. We need to hold fast to confidence in God alone. If you're interested in reading some more scriptures, Hebrews 3.6, Hebrews 3.14, Hebrews 10.36. So I said I was compelled by that one verse and I read the context, the verses around it, which you should always do. Context really helps. Then as I get reading, I just thought, you know, I just need to read the whole book. So one morning I just woke up and I just wrote, read the whole book of Hebrews, just these themes of what God's doing. And this confidence in God alone keeps coming up. Hebrews 3, 6, 3, 14, 10, 36, 10, 23, which I already read. So confidence in God alone. If this is all we do this year as a church, we have confidence in him and him alone. We've had a great year as a church. Because that's actually the only confidence we have. And confidence in God alone means his word is true. It will lead us. His word is true. It speaks to my life. If I'm having trouble in my relationships, his word can help me. If I'm having trouble with my speech, his word can help me. There's a confidence. His word is life. And it anchors me. It means I need to spend time in it. So as a church, we need to continue to spend time in his word. So confidence in God alone. Commitment to the people of God. That's Hebrews 10, 23 and 24, which I've read. Hebrews 10, 12. Hebrews 10.22, Hebrews 9.14. Confidence in God alone leads us to realize we need to be committed to the people of God because the people of God remind us that we can have confidence in God alone. By ourselves, sometimes the confidence wavers. Hebrews 10.23, unwavering. The way your confidence is strengthened is through the people of God. You have to be committed to it, not by idea, but by your time, by your resources by your very life. And then the third, compelled to share our hope. So three words I want us to just, just have burned into our brain this year. Here's the Ridgeview 2022 vision. I'm going to say the word. I want you to repeat it, okay? You guys ready? Confidence. Confidence. Commitment. Commitment. Compelled. compelled. What's the middle one? What's the last one? What's the first one? Good. And then fleshed out, I just want to kind of get into specifics really quickly. So confidence in God. Starting next week, we're going to begin a nine-week study on wisdom. The reason this is important is we need to know that God's word really does speak to life, and he wants to speak to your life. And the best way to do that is, is look at wisdom. The scriptures tell us that though it costs you all you have, Get wisdom. 
As a church, we want to take that literally. We want to grow in wisdom. So we're going to do a nine-week study. The first will be five weeks called The Edge and the priority of gaining God's wisdom. That is, how can I see life God's way? We're going to kick that off next week. Invite your friends, invite your family. I think what everyone needs is to see things differently right now. And the only way you can see things differently is not by keep just regurgitating culture and the world. You have to see it God's ways. And so five weeks, the edge, the priority of gaining wisdom. Then four weeks after that, we're going to talk about the pursuit, how to pursue God's wisdom. So what is it for five weeks? And then how do we get it into our life for four, nine weeks? I'm really excited about this. Because I think, again, we need God's views. We need his help. So that's what we're going to do to begin just with with confidence. And this is part of just we develop our life through spiritual discipline. This, This is what we do as a church. We have to continually come to God's word, ask for help. Wisdom from God, that's what gives us the confidence. So that's the first. Then the second, commitment to community. We're going to do a 10-week connect group studying wisdom together. So we're going to talk about it at church. And here's a disclaimer. You're going to forget most of what I said today. It's really depressing as a pastor. But I think the latest stats are, if you don't take notes and you just listen to somebody, you retain 15%. 15%. That stinks. I've said that word a lot today. So we forget what we hear. But commitment to community, there's something when you get together with other people and you talk about it and there's dialogue and you share about your life, you can't do that in rows. We don't do that here on a Sunday. Church is so much more than this. It's important. But it's so much more. And so we have to have this community. So uh, these are going to be launching. We're going to be doing this book. And this is going to be all connected. Seven weeks of wisdom. How long is the group? Ten weeks. It's like, that's not, talk about wisdom. That math doesn't add up. <laughs> I realize that. What, what we're going to do is we're going to do like an intro. Here's what groups are all about. We want as many people as possible to be in groups. In fact, I would love if God were to allow this, that we'd have more people in groups than we even have come to church. Because if you are part of a group, things start to happen. They really do. God changes lives. So we'll do an intro, then we're going to do a couple weeks where we're just hanging out and having fun. I think that's a worthy goal. Let's have fun together, right? (laughs) And of the 15%, that's the only thing you're going to remember, right? So we'll have a couple weeks of just Fun, hanging out, getting to know each other. That's, that's actually something that's really important. So seven weeks of wisdom. Then uh, compelled uh, to share. This is part of our strategy, investing and inviting. Did you know we don't just do the January Jamboree because we just want to do an event together? We do the January Jamboree so that you'll invite family and friends that may not come to a church service, but they'll come to something fun. And as they take that step, And they actually meet people and be like, they're not that weird. They're enjoyable. They listen to me. They ask me questions. I had an adult conversation. I haven't had that since 2019. God works in these events. People don't come, though, if what? The best invitation is a personal invitation. So part of how we can help people get anchored 
from the sandcastle to Jesus is through events. And it's not always church. In fact, for a lot of people, they're not ready for church, especially in our state. But they might be ready for something like this. So that's, that's why we do it. And then something just being compelled to share, one of the things that's been on my heart for a while now is, is this. I'd love for us to launch a second service. Once we grow to the point where we are about 70% full in here, it feels too full. Add in a global pandemic, and we really have to pay attention. We want there to be some space. We need space to grow. And this picture, this was taken at our Christmas service. I think this is such a great picture of all I've been talking about. The world is represented in this darkness. But each person here, like we represent that lantern of the hope we have in Christ. And what God wants to do is for us to light this world. And one of the key ways is we want to invite people to be a part of our church. Now, that may make you very nervous. But remember, we're not people ashamed. We're confident people. And because we're confident because of what Christ has done and the hope we have in him, the question is, how can we not invite? How can we not? How can we allow people to be sitting in the sand with their arms around it, saying, like, isn't this great? When we know that life will beat them up without Christ. Compelled to share. If we have this hope, we can't keep it to ourselves. So one of the things that we have in the works right now is for Easter Sunday, which is in April, we'd like to offer two services for the very first time and see what God does. A lot of times when you create more space, guess what? More people come. That's how it works. But people only come if they're invited. And people only come if they're invited if they see your life and they see something different. So where I started, God wants to use you. He wants to grow your confidence in him. That's what he wants to do with you this year. He wants to grow your relationships in this community. And then he wants to grow the vision you have for inviting people in your life to take steps towards Jesus. If we do that, your life will change. You know what we'll start to see? In this community in North Fontana, in Rancho, in San Bernardino, in Rialto, and beyond, we can see change happen. That's what I want to give my life to. And I invite you to join us. So those three words, one more time. You can go to that, that last slide. Keep going, keep going. This is long. You, don't, you guys have no idea of all I cut out. Confidence in God, commitment to community, compelled to share. That, that's our vision. Now, on your handout, if you've looked at that, I've literally only done the first point. I know. I think that was my son that said that. So you can draw a line, and then the other points are under the umbrella of having faith and confidence together. So what I encourage you to do is read that for yourself. I, I think that will be a help to you. Uh, there's scriptures. What, what I want to do is, and on most Sundays, is I want you to get into the scriptures and see like thematically across scriptures how these things work together. And so in confidence, you could read about abiding in Christ in the book of John. 
in the commitment to community, you can read in the book of Romans about what we should be committed to, and you could do this by yourself. Being compelled to share, offering refreshment to others, you could read in the book of Isaiah what God does as lives interact with those who have hope to those who don't. So you could do that yourself this week. Just read the scriptures, ask God to speak to you, and you've got notes that, that you can do that on. So that's your first next step. I want to invite Ben up. He's going to walk through briefly um, some other next steps that you could take. So pull out that connection card and finish filling that out. We're going to receive our offering in a moment. But let me, let me close in prayer as we present this before God. God, we, we do ask that you'll use us in our community, in our city, in our neighborhood, in our families, in our friendship circles. We ask, God, that you will grow our confidence in you and you alone. We ask, God, that you will help us to be committed to community, willing to sacrifice to make it happen. And God, we ask that you'll give us people in our life, give us the eyes to see those who need hope, who need Jesus. God, will you help us this year to be confident and committed and compelled? Lead us forward. We surrender to you. We give you 2022. And we ask that you will work in a mighty way and only the ways that you can. We have our confidence not in ourselves, but in the one who died and rose again. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen.